Welcome to the Relax It's Retirement podcast with Josh Leonard from Leonard Advisory Group. In this podcast, we help those nearing retirement greet it with a well-prepared smile. Join Josh and his guests to learn the retirement and tax planning tips you need so you too can live your golden years with the happiness and excitement you deserve. Hear stories from his years of experience to help you transition into a fun and intentional retirement. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Relax It's Retirement podcast with your host, Josh Leonard, where we talk about transitioning into retirement with intent. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Josh. How are you? Good. How are you today, Wendy? Oh, I'm doing good. Coming off a big win for my football team. So, you know, I'm I'm just glorious today. How about you? How's your football team doing? What what football team? Uh, Do you have a football you know, team? <laughs> we we lost to the Browns. So I think uh, I'm, I'm just going to kind of ignore for a little while. Oh, here. are you a Steelers fan? Steelers, Steelers. Yeah, but my, my wife grew up in Cleveland, so... Uh, Ah, so somebody I try not to talk about football too much. At <laughs> okay, so what do we got going on today? Yeah, yeah. So today we have Angela from our team joining again, and a special guest, Sam Rosenberg, who's launching a new book here, Live Ready. Uh, so we're having Sam on to talk a little bit about his book and uh, some good lessons for everyone. Welcome, guys. How you doing? Excellent. Thank you very much, Wendy. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Great, Wendy. It's glad to be part of this. Okay. So Josh, let's get started. Yeah. So Sam, uh, new book uh, launches December 6th, Live Ready, A Guide to Protecting Yourself in an Uncertain World. Uh, what made you write the book, Sam? You know, I've been in the business now, Josh, uh, for 25 years of protecting people and organizations and teaching them how to protect themselves. You know, just to kind of give you a little backstory on that, I, you know, Marine officer back in 1996, got out of the Marines, landed in the close protection world, basically protecting uh, executives, dignitaries, celebrities, you know, folks like Tom Cruise, Benjamin Netanyahu when he was the former prime minister. And, um, you know, it was an interesting time, but I developed the philosophy that to me, it's good to have a lifeguard, but ultimately you should know how to swim. You know, as you kind of know, and Angela knows as well, I've been, I spent the last 20 years, you know, since that time, really teaching people how to protect themselves with the same skills and tools that we used to protect public figures. Uh, you know, and my goal, my mission has always been to empower people. And, you know, I've taught tens of thousands of people over the years, but the reality of it is I wanted to get to a much larger audience. And one of the things that I always ended up with was uh, conversations after events, or if I do a corporate training or some kind of a retreat or a seminar. And the common, the most common question I would get is how do I get my family to learn this knowledge? You know, how do I share this information? And so it's always been a goal of mine to write a book that really distills these most important lessons learned uh, over these last 25 years. And, and Live Ready is just that. Here's the book. It's it's a uh, you know, it's really meant to be in many ways an operating system that anybody can follow. Uh, it addresses three major sort of topics, what I call the myth of helplessness, this idea of the myth of randomness, that violence is random, um, and also how to navigate a violent world. And I wrote it literally for anybody. So it's a mainstream audience type of thing. It's not meant for 
protection specialists or someone with special knowledge. It's meant to basically tell universal truths about human behavior, how bad guys target people, why they do it, um, how they go about it, how you can spot those indicators early enough to make a difference and to be able to avoid trouble, you know, what to do if you find yourself being targeted and a plethora of other information that is immediately actionable in, in daily life. Yeah, I think, Sam, we had done a client event with you almost two years ago where we invited about 20, 20 to 30 clients in and you did some self-defense. And, and I think one of the things that has really stuck with me since then is just your body languaging and your body positioning when in a uncomfortable situation. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I I guess that probably falls into that myth of helplessness, right? So, you know, that you can't really do anything. So help us define a little bit that myth of helplessness. You know, the premise of this, the, the book opens with this basic idea. And it, it's and I start with some stories about my own life and and the sort of the the, the sort of trials and tribulations that I got into early on. And it was one of those things where I came to realize that most of us have been conditioned, whether we want to admit it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we even think about it on a daily basis, which most people don't, but it emerges to some degree or another when people think about difficult situations where we've been conditioned to believe that we are helpless in the face of violence or that we're helpless in the face of certain kinds of violence. You know, people say things like, well, what do I do if the guy's got a gun? How could anybody could possibly defend themselves? Or, you know, the guy was 200 pounds heavier than her. How could she, how could this woman ever defend herself? What do I, how am I as a hundred pound woman supposed to be able to protect myself against someone your size? You know, I hear those things very often. But the reality is that we are never helpless as long as we can control one factor, if that factor is our mind and our ability to think and make decisions under pressure. The problem is there are a lot of factors in a life and death situation or in any stressful situation that inhibit our ability to actually think and to be able to perform. Um, not the least of that is adrenaline and, and how that affects our performance. A lot of it really comes down to our thinking and sort of this conditioned response that we fall back into when we end up in tough situations. Um, that myth of helplessness permeates a variety of scenarios. It, 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 it even interjects a lot of time when we're when we spot something intuitively that we know is potential trouble. We see someone that gives us a sensation of fear. And very often our most common reflex is when we don't see hard evidence to substantiate that intuition is to simply dismiss it or minimize it. You know, we say that's probably nothing. I'm just, you know, I'm just overreacting or we slip into these kinds of social contracts where we say, but I'm not supposed to judge a book by its cover. I don't want to be one of those people or we, uh, you know, we want to be nice in the in the expectation based on our uh, societal conditioning that if I'm nice to this person, hopefully he'll reciprocate and be nice back to me. Uh, the problem is that all of this to some degree or another is part of this conditioning. And the first thing we have to do is acknowledge what's there and be able to overcome it. The story I like to use to describe this is the story of how you train a circus elephant. And I can tell you that it's it's not a happy story. You know, and the way they used to do it is that they would take a baby elephant when it was small and chain it to a stake in the ground. 
And what would happen is this baby elephant would pull and pull on that chain until ultimately it just gives up. And what this means is that when the elephant is fully grown and it is the largest, most powerful land mammal on the planet, a human handler can lead that elephant around on the end of a rope. And in the mind of the elephant, it's helpless to resist. Uh, th this is the, the very definition of the idea of learned helplessness. And it's something that has sort of enabled a lot of problems in our society and a lot of problems with people's belief that they can protect themselves. We have to uh, rely on others, right? We have to rely on law enforcement or we have to rely on technology. We have to rely on other things when in reality, those, those dynamics are rarely there when we need them. Um, and I'm not saying that law enforcement is not there for us in general. What I'm suggesting is that we all know that there's not a cop walking around with us 24 seven to protect us. Right. You know, we are responsible for that. And the first responsible dynamic is to acknowledge this conditioning and know how to overcome it. Okay. Yeah. I think for, for most of us, we have some intuition. I think we've all been in the situation, maybe walking alone at night when you hear someone and it seems like they're getting closer to you and you, the hair stands up on the back of your neck. And, and I think probably what you're saying is, We've probably been in that situation, turned around and looked at the person and then felt like, oh, I'm not supposed to feel threatened by this person when your body is literally telling you the opposite. So in that sort of situation, what's what's kind of the best thing to do there, Sam? Well, the first thing you want to do is make sure that we don't fall into this dynamic of being the only animal in the animal kingdom that would willingly participate in its own victimization. OK, you know, when when we receive information whether it's just right now on the intuitive level, you perceive trouble, you know, and I go into this extensively. We talk about how to condition our radar, how to tune our radar so that we can listen to it better and effectively train the cognitive part of our brain, the conscious part of that intuition, the conscious part, if you will, of the, the equation of the subconscious and the conscious, what to look for, right? We wanna know what to look for. And by understanding specifically what behaviors to look for, which actually goes back to the body language that you discussed earlier, what ends up happening is the first thing we want to do is acknowledge that this alarm is, is happening, right? There's something here to be concerned with, even if you can't put your finger on what it is. Don't dismiss it. Don't just assume it's probably nothing. And don't slip into the ego modality of, you know, but nobody's going to push me around or tell me what I can do or where I can go. You know, what we want to do is acknowledge that you are potentially in the presence of danger. And, you know, the idea behind being able to recognize danger, all right, is the foremost principle of the book. If we were to really break it down into three basic segments of being able to recognize danger, most importantly, when in fact you may be being targeted, okay, which is an uncomfortable thing to say or to hear for a lot of people, because no one wants to think, why would I be targeted? You know, how, how would that happen? But it happens. And you can do everything right and still find yourself targeted. The concept is that we want to know when we're in danger, specifically when we're being targeted, so that we can then manage it. Do we diffuse it? Do we deter it? You know, what is our action to be able to take to avoid that trouble from actually manifesting into a violent incident. And then the third component is obviously what to do if we end up in a bad situation. How do we behave? What, do we, what are our priorities? 
And simply having that plan put in place is essential, having those roadmaps for our mind to follow. Because one of the most ever-present concepts, and we goes back to the first thing I talked about, is our ability to think and the, the factors that inhibit our ability to think under pressure, is the most important component to this is a simple wiring. It's not just adrenaline. It's not just fear. What we're talking about is when we hit a dynamic that we don't have any experience with, when we hit a troubled moment and our brain immediately analyzes it and falls back into this pattern of thought of what do I do here? What experience have I ever had that can help me through this? And the, there's no information there. Or if the information or the only experience we've had was maybe negative information or traumatic information, or in some ways, worse yet, bad information, you know, like people have taught us do this and it's the wrong information. What happens is we literally get stuck in that analysis phase and we freeze. And that is the most prevalent response to danger. So the concept is first and foremost of training our mind or retraining our mind is understanding how to overcome this natural freeze response so that we can actually process what's going on and manage those what we call interview dynamics, manage those aggressive or, or violent situations so that we actually have a plan. If you'll allow me going back to your body language concept, you know, you're walking down the street and you see, you feel someone you know, behind you and you turn and look and you get that chill running down your spine or the hair standing up on your, your neck. All of those alarms are talking to your radar. When we, when we talk about what to look for specifically, what we want to be able to do is read people better. And that goes down to this idea of being able to read body language and read threat indicators, okay, or to be able to read people's intention more accurately. And that's addressed in detail in this book. And on the flip side of that, there's an all there's a 180 degree perspective shift in that, which is we know that bad guys are looking for soft targets or easy targets. So the question now is, how is the bad guy reading me? Right. Mm -hmm. And how do I use body language in a way that would not make me appear or allow me to handle those interactions in a way that represents myself as a hard target, even when I'm scared to death? How do I deter those situations properly? Um, believe it or not, that's a very small fragment of the training that's in this book. It's, that's a, a relatively easy and, and, and quickly taught practice. It's the surrounding elements that are far more important. Yeah, I think a lot of times folks think of, oh, how do I protect myself against someone? And not to make this a conversation about firearms, but quite frequently people think, oh, I need to have this. And I think a lot of the training you had went through with us was, no, it can be something as simple as a pen that mm -hmm. is defending you, a common thing that you have on you. Um, I know Ange has done quite extensive training with firearms and certainly, uh, you know, I'll, I'll stand behind her. I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> you know, be okay with that. But, you know, I think for listeners maybe that don't have that experience with firearms or advanced weaponry, what are, you know, some some basic tips that, that you give folks to defend themselves, maybe if they don't have anything with them? Well, the, the thing I would say is 100%, you know, I think that, you know, when it comes to guns, okay, you know, I, I'm, you know, highly proficient, if you will, it's something that's been a part of my life for many years from the Marines on upward, but to me, the firearm, a gun is nothing but a tool, all right? It's a tool 
no different than a hammer or your car, you know, or the microphones that you're using right now. It's something that allows you to do something with basically with less effort. And the concept of a firearm for some people is, is a very powerful defensive tool. And it's something that in some cases is highly needed. Um, it's the right tool for the job in many cases. But the idea here is that the totality of self-defense, when it comes to that, firearms only e equate in my world in a very, very narrow spectrum of that. The vast majority of, of personal security and self-defense really comes down to knowledge. And that primary knowledge is how to recognize danger and avoid trouble. You know, if you can avoid the trouble in the first place, you don't need any kind of self-defense. Now, given that we can't always avoid it, you know, sometimes, like I said, you do everything right and you find yourself being targeted. A good example of this, too, that I talk about frequently is you could be the best business executive, owner, uh, HR manager, whatever, and, you know, do everything you possibly can if you have to terminate someone to do it in a positive manner, to set someone on a positive trajectory, to preserve their dignity, to, to do everything right. And you could still be faced six months, 18 months later with someone coming back saying, when you fired me, you destroyed my life, right? Sometimes that happens despite your best efforts. The domestic side of that equation sounds like if I can't have you, no one can, right? Which one in six women in our society will be faced with at some point in their life, which is a disturbing statistic. So the principle of this is to understand that we can't avoid everything. So just being able to recognize danger and run away is not sufficient. You have to know how to protect yourself. Now, the answer to your question, unfortunately, is not something that I can really get into in a competent manner in this, in this particular medium. Mm -hmm. There are lots of tips and tools in the Live Ready book. The reality of it is my recommendation, as it is in the book, is you must seek training. You know, the human being is not born knowing how to protect itself. You know, but we can be taught almost anything. You can strap wooden things to our feet and go down a hill in the snow at 80 miles an hour, right? You know, we can swim like the dolphins. The concept is that we have the capacity to learn all of these skill sets. What I would argue and what I argue in the book is you do not need to be a, a jujitsu black belt or an MMA competitive prize fighter or anything like that. Personal security and the, the, the techniques you need to be able to incapacitate someone and escape is far, far easier than you probably have ever expected. And using tools like pens or cell phones as powerful improvised weapons, knowing where to strike and how to strike is really the key. Those tools do the work for you. You don't have to be physically strong. You know, you can be a hundred pound woman and that tool becomes your force multiplier. So what I'm all about is providing people advantage and the advantage that we're looking for is advantage over those who would try to harm you or who would prey on the innocent. And the most powerful advantage is, is not even being seen as a viable target in the first place. If I can make a really bad joke, and I don't mean it as a joke, but it's kind of this, like the joke of the bear, right? You know, how fast do you have to beat out, run a bear? Faster than the next guy, right? So I know it's a bad joke. It's very crude. And, and in the context of this, what we're talking about here is something very serious because the reality is 
that bad guy, that predatory individual is probably going to victimize someone. All right. And that's a very unfortunate reality. The key is you don't want them victimizing you, your family, your organization. And none of us here on this podcast are in the business of removing those people from society. And that's that's probably one of the biggest things that I think people kind of misunderstand about self-defense. Self-defense is not about beating people. It's not about being the best fighter. It's about learning how to protect yourself so you can avoid it or escape if you have to. And when we focus on that dynamic, it becomes a very, sim- not simple, but a very realistic and easy to achieve outcome. You know, the, the simplicity of it means you've got to learn the skills. Um, you've got to invest some time and some training. And if that training happens to be with a firearm and you choose to own a firearm, you definitively need to invest in the right training, not yeah. only to use it correctly, but I, to own it safely. I know Angela has, um, over the years done several forms of training with you and and other people that you've worked with over the years too. And I think her collection of firearms has expanded over time. I, I think that that is a key. Many times people buy things because they think it's cool or, you know, now I have access to this, that, and the other. But I think what Angela's done that's really cool is as she's added weapons to her arsenal so to speak she's gone through extensive training with that so Andrew, i'm gonna make you speak up here a little bit and talk about what you've learned in some of your training with firearms as well well it's more than just firearms firearms would generally be a last resort because you're literally taking a life at that point and you have to cross the bridge of can i mentally live with myself morally and ethically if i take somebody else's life so When we started all this, a lot of it was how do you avoid being a target and how do you defuse a situation? Because the best fight you have is the one that you're not in. What do you have at your disposal that you can use that's going to make you not, not a target? Like a lot of you know, I keep a place in the city. It's not the best place in the whole world to be. Uh, My garage is in an alley. It's very dark and my garage doesn't have lights in it. So I got to come out of there by myself. Sometimes it's 10 or 11 o'clock at night and there aren't a lot of people around. Yes, there's probably a gun on me somewhere. Good luck finding it, but there's a gun on me somewhere. But there might be a stun gun on my flashlight. There might be a cell phone in my hand. There might be keys in my hand. The best things I've learned from Sam are, hey, you know what? You just came out of Starbucks. You got two cups of coffee in your hand and the guy wants your wallet. He's in front of me. I'm throwing the coffee at him because he's not going to expect it. You know, you want to do something to not be a victim and to scare the crap out of somebody because they want you to just kind of shrivel in a corner so you can be the easy victim or the easy target. So if you can be very confident and not be that target, you win. A lot of the training that I've done with Sam is, and I'll tag on what he was just talking about, is how do you get out of the situation? Well, somebody might come after you and I might put a an elbow or a fist in somebody's throat. I just want to get 10 feet away and either call 911 or get my hand on a firearm at that point or a stun gun or something because this needs to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just don't need to be a victim. 
Like well, I, I, be I believe in Sam. I'll, I'll pass it back to you on this one. I, I believe in most scenarios, if you provide that distance or that initial shock, a lot of times people are backing it. away. Is that kind of what you've seen in your experience and research? Yeah, very much. And, you know, when we when we look at the dynamic and this actually talks to this idea of the myth of randomness is this concept, this sort of sister concept to the myth of helplessness is people tend to believe that violence is random. And, you know, this this mentality tends to be perpetrated by the news media. They talk an act of random violence. They say someone just snapped. No one saw it coming. These kinds of phrases. And what they're really saying is if violence is random, it is therefore unpredictable. And if it is unpredictable, then what possible responsibility do I have to it or you or anybody else to being able to manage it? It's like a lightning strike. It just happens. And the reality, though, is that violence is a process. And it's a process as observable and predictable as boiling water if you know what to look for and are in a position to see the signs. And if you know, the knowing what to look for is the critical component, because that's where most people make the errors. And, you know, the dynamic of like someone approaching Angela, usually they don't just walk up and say, give me your wallet. Very often there's some preamble to that. And the concept of understanding those indicators that this person is now moving into what we would call an interview. Okay. And the idea of an interview is the simple notion that bad guys have risk and they don't like risk. You know, they invest considerable time and energy and they actually, even I would say the most desperate predator is very careful in how they select their prey. And what they're looking for ultimately is a soft target, is a target who in their mind cannot or will not fight back. What they have a tendency to do is to observe people and they're fairly good observers. You know, I've always said that if, if, if predators applied their observation skills and their knowledge of human behavior and being able to read people to the positive. They'd be amazing, you know, salesmen. They'd be amazing uh, leaders in some capacities, you know, but what they do is they decide they're going to victimize people instead. That's the easy path. So when someone is interviewing you, you got to know that you're being interviewed. That's the first component. And that's not as easy as saying, well, when the hair goes up on the back of my neck or when someone approaches me that I don't know, because guess what? Interviews happen with people that you know, and they could be coworkers. They could be people that you've been on dates with, that you're meeting socially. Some predators use charm and, and persuasive ability to create opportunities, uh, much the same way that a child molester would groom potential targets. These things can happen over time. And when we're talking about particular categories of the population, like, say, college-bound teens, okay, or, or younger people who are in that social age, they're dating, they're going to parties, things like that, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that suggests that you should not do these things. I mean, anything worth doing has some level of risk. That's just life. Life is not risk-free. So the concept here is to be able to go into those environments knowing how to spot the indicators that someone is trying to target you, meaning interview you, potentially, even in those social environments, as easy as it is to spot a, a mugger with a ski mask. And the dynamic here is that when those first indicators of that interview man, uh, manifest, what you want to understand is that this is the bad guy's opportunity to assess you. Are you, in fact, a good soft target? Are you a vulnerable target? Are you someone who cannot and will not fight back? How you manage that is largely 
the determiner of whether or not this situation escalates or diffuses. You know, Angela is clearly not a soft target. In any capacity, Angela is not a soft target. And I don't think that just based on her training and her personality and who she is and the way she carries herself, most people wouldn't see her as an easy target. You know, so she's not going to be dealing with these dynamics on a regular basis as a result of her training. And that's one of the most important benefits of training is that the more you do, the less you have to use it. The idea though, is that even someone like Angela or me, you know, we could find ourselves in the wrong place in the wrong time. And there's a whole variety of things that we could talk about, whether it's an active shooter event or a terrorist attack, or even just someone who is absolutely desperate. And the situational factors are such that you're the only target right? There's nobody around who can hear you scream. They believe they have a force advantage over you, right? All those factors mean that sometimes you do everything right and you still got to fight your way out, right? And that's where, again, the training comes in. But the vast, vast majority of the dynamics can be addressed with the tactics that are in this book. Yeah, Sam, I think, you know, one of the positive things that I've I've heard from you speaking in your material that you've put out over the time is, is really you're empowering people, to take control of things themselves, not being helpless, knowing the right things to do. So I I have to anticipate that to be 100% in the book. And I think it's something that as an office, we read books together as a group um, every once in a while. Yours will be on the list for next year because I think it's empowering for everyone in our organization, our clients, retirees that are now traveling internationally that didn't maybe earlier in their life, it's good to have that situational awareness and not be afraid. Uh, know that there's risks out there, but you're you're well-equipped to handle them. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I, I, think, I think, Sam, we would love to have you back on and, and do, uh, you know, some takeaways from the book, maybe after we read it as a group as well, because uh, I think that'd be a great way to kind of double down and, and help get your message out, because I think it's important for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that you bring up a huge point, Josh. I mean, really, what it really comes down to in many ways is recognizing that bad guys, whether they're terrorists, whether they're predatory bad guys, very often they have a mission, they want to do something, but they must have the right situational factors in place to pull it off. And a lot of this is just understanding what factors those are and understanding what factors you control at all times and never relinquish control of them. And that's exactly what you're talking about is like, what does this really mean to be empowered in this way is understanding, you know, what those risk factors are, what those situational factors are and never relinquishing control of them. And that's why I say this is an operating system. You know, it's not just an interesting book. It's not just a story, you know, of my story or journey through this. It, it really is designed to give you the answers. And, you know, I, I wanted to design it in such a way to not only give the answers that people want to know, that they don't know where to ask. There's so few people who understand this material um, in a competent way that it's not just to answer all the questions that people have that are out there, but to answer the questions they don't know to ask. Right. And, you know, functionally speaking, it really is about in some ways making you in a very positive and healthy way, a dangerous person yourself, understanding how to transform you into someone who people, bad guys won't even see as a viable target. And that someone who knows how to handle themselves in any situation, 
And what comes with that is a sense of peace of mind and confidence that, quite frankly, you just can't achieve in any other walk of life. I mean, you know, we share many of the same types of clients. You know, I work, I've for my whole career, I've worked with high net individuals, executives, business owners. And, you know, these people in many ways have conquered every aspect of life. You know, they've got financial security, they've got, um, you know, they're well protected by society and the people around them. Yeah, they've, they've sort of like achieved that degree of self-actualization. But when I work with them very often, there's always this nagging doubt in the back of their mind that a certain circumstance or a person could take that away in a heartbeat. And what they want is that primal knowing that they know how to protect themselves and their families. And, and that's what this book is about. Yeah. So how did they go about getting the book, Sam? So the book is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Um, and, but the easiest way to do it is simply go to livereadybook.com. That's the landing page that we have for the book. That'll give you every possible option. It's, it's available everywhere books are sold. The book launches December 6th. So Amazon will start shipping them December 6th, as well as all the other booksellers. And actually for this audience, I want to tell you, we're having a launch party. Um, and it's on December 11th at uh on at 350 technology drive in pittsburgh okay that's a building called the riviera that's a beautiful place we're going to have this party from 6 to 9 p.m you guys are all invited all of your clients are invited uh i'll be there signing the book and uh and we'll do say a few words about it that sort of thing but it is going to be a great time little holiday party and and formal book launch so that's december 11th but livereadybook.com okay great Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Angela, for joining us. We appreciate it. And Josh, how can people get in touch with you if they have more questions? Absolutely. They can check us out at leonardadvisorygroup.com. They can give our office a call at 412-998-PLAN or email me at jleonard at leonardadvisorygroup.com. Well, thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time. I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Relax, It's Retirement podcast, the show that helps you transition into a happy, fun, and intentional retirement. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.leonardadvisorygroup.com or give us a call at 412-998-PLAN. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Leonard Advisory Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.